Hello, and welcome back to Reality Check. At the top here this week, I just want to run through a list of episodes that I'm finding that in talking with new clients, these episodes are the ones I keep coming back to, uh, recommending that they listen to them as we proceed with the sessions. The first one is episode seven, which deals with emotions uh, and their proper role in decision making. Next is episode 11, which talks about how important the concept of control is. Uh, Of course, episode 26, uh, talking about self-esteem, that one's all important. Uh, And finally, the one I seem to be telling everyone about uh, is episode 11, Laws of Attraction. Uh, And the attraction one is surprising to me because I didn't know how central those ideas are in everyone's lives when I recorded it. Uh, But it turns out that any client I have that has any issues with friends, family, or significant others, episode 18 is where they should start. And that leads me to this week's topic. A few days back, I was talking to a friend about their family, uh, and also my past experiences with my own family, and I realized that I had yet to tackle the idea of toxic people head-on. I definitely set the stage when I talked about how judging people is an extremely important thing to do, uh, and that's episode 13. Uh, So if you want to start with that one and come back, uh, it'll tie together nicely. But assuming you already understand that judging is important, how do you identify toxic people? Why is it important to worry about them? And what should you do about them? Uh, Those are the pertinent questions for this episode. So first up is how to identify the toxic people in your life. And to do that, we first need to define what that is. The people in your life can be placed on a spectrum from the highs of, you know, soulmate or uh, such a good friend that you consider them family, all the way down to toxic. And within that spectrum, there's a lot of variation and it takes an objective perspective to really nail everyone down. In basic terms, if we start from the given that all relationships are mutually beneficial trade-offs, which they are, and they even come with their own unspoken contracts, then there are really two axes along which people should be judged. The first axis is how beneficial the relationship is to you. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, wow, that sounds completely selfish. And you would be right. It is. But that's the point. When evaluating the people in your life, it's assumed that you are seeking a mutually beneficial experience, and what we are asking is, does the other person want that, and if so, do they act in a way that accomplishes that goal? So we should ask questions such as, am I gaining anything by continuing to call this person my friend and treating them as such? Am I losing anything? Does that gain-loss balance lean towards the positive or negative? Is this person upholding the principles I want out of a friend or a spouse or a family member? Is my life objectively better with the person in it? The second axis is reliability. Or in other words, does the person in question abide by that unspoken contract that you both signed when you decided to associate? Things such as, do they act in good faith with me? Do they drop me for months at a time when someone they like better comes along? Do they return favors? Do they lie to me? Do they try to manipulate me? Are they narcissistic? I've mentioned this elsewhere, but a quick and dirty test to see if someone is worth keeping in your life is as follows. If you met this person for the first time tomorrow, would you still wish to befriend them? If the answer is no, then you've got a problem on your hands. For friends, this can be dealt with fairly easily, but notice that if you're married to this person or this person is a family member, it's going to be quite tricky to grapple with. But uh, more on that later. So once we answer all those types of questions and we arrive at a label for that person, ranging from great friend or spouse or family member to mediocre to downright awful, 
The question becomes what to do with the truly toxic people. Uh, But I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Before that, we have to answer the question of why toxic people are so bad to keep around. And there are a bunch of reasons for that. I touched on this during my friendship episode, uh, which is number 29. But who you choose to call friend or spouse or family, it reflects directly onto you. When you use that title, you're proclaiming to yourself and the rest of the world that this person represents your ideals, your principles, your vision for what you want the world to be. And I know some people might respond, you know, hey, I just like to go out and have a good time with Laura. She's that kind of friend. To which the response is, then Laura represents your ideal of what fun should be. Does your version of fun include getting blackout drunk and waking up in bed with a guy you don't know, and meanwhile Laura is nowhere to be found? Maybe Laura doesn't really represent the kind of fun you want to be having anymore. The point is, Who you choose to commit your time and energy towards says a lot about you. It's your psychological currency, and if you spend it in the wrong places, it leaves you emotionally drained, and also it makes you a risky investment for others. Now, what does that mean? Well, as I mentioned in the self-esteem episode, your subconscious is always keeping track of your decisions and modifying your self-esteem accordingly. Every time you accept your toxic friend's nonsense or manipulations, Your subconscious says, I guess I don't think very highly of myself because a stronger person wouldn't put up with this crap. And over time, that really adds up. The toxic friend might not be the cause of your low self-esteem, but it is something that will continuously reinforce it. Over and over, you're essentially telling yourself, you know, I'm worthless, so I deserve to be treated as such by these horrible people. That's not a message you want hammered into your mind day after day. But what did I mean when I said that toxic people make us into a risky investment? Think of it like having a good credit rating. Your social reputation is a kind of credit history, and if the good, honest, dependable people in your life, if they watch you putting up with toxic abuse, they'll remember that. They note in their heads that you might be unreliable because you can't tell the difference between a good person and a toxic person. And just like how a bank won't give you a loan if you have bad credit because they fear you won't be responsible enough to pay them back, the good people in your life may tire of watching you sacrifice yourself for abusive people, and they won't risk their time and energy on someone so irrational. It also sends the message to them that, in your mind, they are no different to you than the toxic people. And if they have any amount of self-respect, they might not like that. So once you've identified the toxic people in your life and you understand why they are so detrimental, what do you do about it? Well, ultimately, you want to limit the damage to the fullest extent possible. And this is where context becomes important. Uh, When it comes to completely voluntary people, such as friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, the answer is simple. They need to go. For the significant others, that obviously means a breakup, and while that can be extremely hard to pull the trigger on, you'll probably feel immediate relief the moment that person is out of your life. For the friendships, it's simply a matter of ceasing contact. Eventually, the person will either get the hint and move on, or they'll confront you about it. And this part is key in both cases. You don't owe a toxic person anything, including a detailed explanation or defense of your decision. You can explain yourself if you want, but it's not as though you need to bring forth evidence and win the argument like it's some courtroom. It doesn't matter if the other person disagrees with your reasoning, and it shouldn't change your mind if they do. Most importantly, forget the word closure. Because in cases like these, closure is another word for, 
I want this person to admit that they are awful and promise to change. That's not going to happen. And even if it does, chances are it's just another manipulation. So forget about getting closure. Your only closure is going to be the fact that this is the last time you're going to talk to them. Now, when it comes to family, things get a little trickier. And sadly, a very large portion of toxic relationships tend to be familial. And they stick around because everything in society tells us that you must stick by family, right or wrong, through thick and thin. But once you become an adult, I maintain that the same rule applies. Would you associate with this person voluntarily if you met them for the first time tomorrow? But you can't get away from family so easily, especially when there are parts of your family that you do like and love. This is where communication and self-esteem really need to come into play. To the extent that you can avoid toxic family members, do so. And don't feel guilty about it. In cases where you have to associate, be civil, but never give ground on your principles. If they try to manipulate you into feeling guilty or inferior, recognize it as such and call it out or excuse yourself. Remember, you don't owe toxic people anything, and you are your only priority. The biggest hurdle in all of these situations is overcoming that guilt and feelings of obligation that keep us attached to these people. It can be tough to overcome alone, so seek out a sympathetic friend or relative if that's going to help. Or you could always talk to someone like me, you know, an impartial third party that can give you an unbiased appraisal and help you make the tough but rational choices. All right, that about wraps up for this week. Uh, thanks for listening and have a good weekend.